If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is a serious issue, and while we are going through the parables this season so that children's ministry can develop materials by knowing what we're doing in advance for children that come to our live services, while we're doing that, it's relevant for today. In this day when people are throwing one another in baskets for those people they deplore, have you been labeled lately? Well, you're just one of those, you know, or you've drunk the Kool-Aid, or you've this or that. And that comes from both sides of the aisle. I mean, there's the no-mask Nazis and the mask Nazis. Everywhere, people are just aggravated. And it's easy to understand, but it's important that we walk in forgiveness, that we extend grace 
to one another and especially to unbelievers because we have a Savior and our hope is in Him. And so we put our labelers away. And if you're going to label somebody, label forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus labeled everybody that was participating in his crucifixion. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so label that wherever you stand on any issue. And the theory you hold may very well be true. Hopefully the truth will come out, but we've been arguing about the Kennedy assassination ever since I can remember. So I think we're just going to have to embrace grace and move on with life and not get stuck. So in this discourse that Jesus gives, he's following up on the parable of the lost sheep, leaving the 99, looking for the one. It's important to understand the Lord highly values the one, just as a shepherd does. The value of a sheep isn't just how much it costs to feed it or how much it costs to buy a sheep at the market, but how much income it could generate, not just in meat, but in milk. Yes, they do milk sheep. And in wool, that can happen every year. I saw a picture of a sheep that had been lost for six years. And he had 70 pounds of wool on him. He was a mess. But they were glad to retrieve him. And so the Lord highly values us. And when we go astray, he comes after us. Who's ever had the Lord after you? He'll He'll take your sleep away. He gives his beloved sweet sleep. But when things aren't right, he'll get your attention when you try to pray. And he's like, talk to the hand. You ever have the Lord tell you, talk to the hand? There's something you want to get right, get your heart right for him. Because he is not our cash register or our uh, one-armed bandit. What do they call those things? Yes. Yes. So in, in the wake of that, story of finding the lost sheep, he begins to talk about sin and reconciliation and forgiveness. Why? Well, Jesus is all about healing. He healed in two fronts. He healed bodies and he healed lives. He healed bodies with his authority and power, healed people that were afflicted, with demons and handicaps and all sorts of other things. But he's about the whole person. Who knows that? And he gave commands and told stories that if applied, they will heal relationships. Because he does deal with us individually. Yes, you and Jesus got your own thing going. But if you stop there, you've missed out on the cross cross also is horizontal. It's we and Jesus have his thing going, right? And so it's important that we get our relationships right. And so he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, the first parable we looked at was the wise man that built his house on the rock was a person that heard Jesus' teachings and did them. If you want your house to be built on a rock that is unshakable in times of storm, it's time to take seriously what Jesus said. So if someone sins against you, go to him or her. Don't go to somebody else. Go to him alone. Why is it we'll do anything but that? Are we chickens? No, 
We're children of the Most High God. Let's build our house on the rock and do it. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he, she is implied, hears you, you have gained your brother or your sister. The relationship is restored. If he will not hear, run and tell the whole world. No, try again. Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So take someone else with you or a couple people with you and lovingly confront the person again, not in a condemning way, but in a redemptive way. Why? Because you're wanting to restore your relationship. This hurt me. This offended me. Sometimes we have specks on our eye and we don't see it. Who's ever had a blind spot? All of us have. And so it takes somebody to point it out to us. And sometimes we don't receive it. So it takes a couple people. And let me tell you, two people confronting you is very powerful. It's not like a, a uh, room full of people. I participated in that. That was brutal. People, another church in town closed, and most of them came and joined Shady Grove Church of Granbury, and they brought their conflicts with them. And I had a meeting with them one Sunday afternoon, and all of them pounced on a couple. I mean, they let them have it. The room was full of people. It was maybe a dozen folks. At least 10 people were so angry at this couple, and it was overwhelming. It was too much. They did not apply the word. It was a damaging meeting, not a reconciliation meeting. Now, that couple had been up to some mischief, but so had everybody else. So if someone sins against you, go to them alone. And if they don't hear you, if it doesn't work, if they kind of blow you off or don't take you seriously or just kind of lean on an excuse and you're not sure that you're reconciled in your heart, take someone you trust with you, not a busybody, and say, hey, can we talk again about that issue the other day? The reason for the witness isn't somebody who's taken up your offense. See, if you tell people your conflicts, people will take up your offense. And boy, is that a mess. How can you apologize to people you haven't done wrong to? Right? How can you apologize to people when they've been slandering you all over town? And so these words of Jesus are very important. You know, there's two places he used the word church. He came to build a church and only used the word church twice, ecclesia. In Matthew 16, upon this rock, I'll build my church. That speaks of the church universally. And then here in Matthew 18, which speaks of the church locally. This is a local church issue. We won't have problems with saints, believers in China, right? We won't have problems with Saints, believers in Chicago, unless we live there, right? But our problems are right here in our town and in our own local assembly. And so we work it out. But so many times people don't work it out. They just change churches. And guess what? They take their conflicts with them. And you get another opportunity to get it right. And if you don't, guess what? You're going to wind up changing again. So... Just moving right on. I'm just teaching the scriptures. It was here in the context. So if the person doesn't hear, 
the two or three witnesses. Then tell it to the church or the assembly and let him be to you as a heathen and a tax collector. This is a redemptive thing. Jesus loved the heathen. He ate with tax collectors. He was hated for it. But they did not influence him. So if a person refuses to reconcile, that's when you would get church leadership involved. I have seen this happen. I've been involved in more than one occasions of helping clean it up where it didn't have to go to the whole congregation. In 28 years of pastoring, only once did I have to just teach a message, the top 10 reasons not to fellowship with someone. Once, and boy, did it hurt to have to do it. It was terrible. But there was just people not taking correction, refusing to reconcile, and slandering. So it does happen. It does happen. Hurt people hurt people. So if you've been hurt, don't nurse it. Don't disperse it. Don't rehearse it. Don't curse it. But come to the altar (laughs) and deal with it and get someone to help you. And let's keep our relationships right, can we? And by all means, I say this to everyone in this room, And everyone online, if I've hurt you by all means, it's got to be a blind spot because I didn't wake up in the morning wanting to hurt anybody. I should just know. I know. You're a pastor. I know. I should, but I don't. So please confront me. And I even give you permission to skip step one, to bring someone with you and confront me. But don't bring a whole room of folks. (laughs) All right, now we're going to get to the parable. I love the parable you got to look at the picture frame around them. Like apples of gold and pictures of silver, so is a word fitly spoken. Assuredly, I say to you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this is often used to refer to the the demonic. Devil, I bind you because of this verse. But if you read the context, it has nothing to do with devils. It has everything to do with our relationships, our authority, our reconciliation. That on earth, when we come into agreement, it is a powerful thing, and heaven comes into agreement with us. But if we don't, and we're in disagreement, we're loose from our blessings. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for binding burdens on the back of people that they wouldn't lift a finger to loose. So that's what this is talking. It's legal language, binding and loosing. So God will say, talk to the hand till you get it right. Who in here is a parent? All right, this next question is a trick question. It's duh. Who enjoys it when your children fight? Do you sit back? (laughs) Sometimes you might give up and just go get them boxing gloves and let them wear each other out. But that's not the norm. You hate it when your children are in conflict. How about our Heavenly Father? When we come into agreement, He's in agreement with us. But when we are out of sorts, it stops the blessings. It just does. Again, I say to you 
that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So we know that refers to prayer and agreeing together in prayer. There's power in that. But how can we pray prayers of agreement when we're walking in disagreement? When we're refusing, refusing to reconcile? Right? We can't do it. Sometimes agreement requires just agreeing to disagree. You know, making room for Jesus. Okay, let's just stop right here and agree that we don't see eye to eye. And let's move forward in humility, and may God sort this out. And he can. So Peter, knowing what he's talking about, asked this question. It's not just off the wall. It's completely relevant to his teaching. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, the rabbis taught if someone sinned against you, you give them three chances, three strikes, and you're out. See, that didn't originate with baseball. It goes back to the rabbis. So Peter thinks he's being generous. The Lord said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Our video is the NIV. They chose to translate it 77 times. I don't fight over that. The point is, it's a lot of times. If you're keeping track of it, then that's another problem. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. The NIV says 10,000 bags of gold. In Roman times, a talent of gold equaled 6,000 denarii. And a denarius, denarii is a plural for denarius, a denarius was roughly a day's wage for a common laborer. If a day's wages today is in the neighborhood of $50, let's say you pay somebody, you know, twelve fifty an hour, uh, 10,000 talents would be $3 billion. So this is an extreme case. What king would allow this kind of thing to happen, but this person obviously had betrayed the ruler's trust. And then the king forgave him after he begged for forgiveness. The master commanded that he would be sold with his wife and children, all he had, and that payment be made. Indentured servitude was the thing at that time. It's not unending slavery, but in this, in this context, He'd be a slave the rest of his life, and so would his family. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who's also employed by the king, who owed him a hundred denarii, which would be about $5,000 in today's economy if, if a servant made twelve fifty an hour. He laid hands on him, took him by the throat, chokehold, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. 
So when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. He's ticked. Not only did he forgive him a debt, but now this guy has had one of his other employees thrown into prison. Thanks a lot. (laughs) No good deed goes unpunished. I forgive you, let you go free, and then you bind up one of my employees, and now I'm shorthanded. Maybe I'm reading too much into the story here, but you get the point. It wasn't a good thing that he would receive mercy and then not give it to others. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I have pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. I wonder who those are. Until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly, my heavenly father, yes, our God, also will do to you if each of you, you. This monkey is on all our back. If each of you from his heart, not just with your mouth, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Yes, but you don't know what he did to me. I know. But who died to redeem us from all wickedness? Who set us free from our indebtedness on the cross? The Lord. He did that to end conflicts. Does it work? It works. Is it working? Not if we do not believe in Jesus to the point that we move beyond believing that he existed or believing that he died for my sins, but we believe that he died for the sins of of our enemies. And we do everything in our power to walk in peace with all men. We're talking about parables. Today is the parable of the servant without mercy. Subtitle would be why forgiveness is so important. Why is forgiveness so important? Why forgiveness is so important? Forgiveness is to be a part of our praying. It's part of praying. If you haven't prayed prayers of forgiveness for those that have hurt you, then you haven't prayed a full prayer. In Matthew 6, they asked Jesus how to pray. He said, in this manner, therefore pray. And it's the Lord's Prayer, but really it's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Our prayer is, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Some translations say sins, some say trespasses. The bottom line is the same thing. Forgive us our offenses as we forgive our offenders. There's a relationship here between our forgiveness and our receiving forgiveness, enjoying the Lord's forgiveness. Luke 11, this parallel passage in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone. Can we say everyone? 
everyone who's indebted to us. Now, if someone owes you an apology, you need to ask for it. And when given, receive it. Why is it when someone, we ask someone for an apology and they give it and then we don't receive it? Well, you should have known better. Well, why do we ask if we didn't want it, right? So, as we, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Forgive them. Let it go. Little girls all over the nation have been singing, let it go, let it go, let it go. Who has granddaughters? Have you heard them sing that song? There's a word there for us. Our Father forgives us when we forgive. It's what the Word says. I know it messes with your theology, but here's what it says. For if you, this is after the Lord's Prayer teaching, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you, your Father will. If, then will. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We'll not walk in the joy of having our sins forgiven if we do not extend the same to others. Freely you have received, freely give. Sometimes we live as, th- as though this is all there is, you know? person offended me on a Saturday, and that's the only Saturday I had in life to enjoy, and they wrecked it. It's not true. We have eternal life. Do we not? Why do we live like this is all there is? Mark 11, after teaching that great scripture on faith, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, it shall obey you. And when you stand praying, believe that you receive and you will receive. Verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him or her. You know, we're mankind, male and female. So ladies, don't, cut, don't feel gypped here. We're all included. Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So we forgive so that we can be forgiven. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses passes. This is a problem in America. A lot of the conflicts you see on the news, unforgiveness is at the root of it. Just is. Generations pass on their offenses to the next generation, and you take up an offense for your forefathers. Not good. Being forgiving blesses us proportionately. Listen to this. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Forgive, be forgiven. So what comes before being forgiven? Being forgiving. Forgiving comes before forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it would be measured back to you. Luke 6.38 is not just a verse to apply to giving finances into the kingdom of God. There's a blessing in that. Thank God for your faithfulness. Oh, my goodness, we are so blessed by faithful givers. 
but it, I believe, also applies to forgiving. You want to be forgiven much? Forgive much. If you forgive much, you're going to be blessed in more ways than one. It's a form of giving. You're giving mercy to someone that's not worthy. You're foregoing the judgment that that person is worthy of receiving. You're foregiving. Forgive, you'll be forgiven. Give, and it'll be given to you. Fourth point, forgiving others is one of our basic duties. Now this, again, is the Lumo Project's rendition of Luke 17, verses 1 through 10. Watch this. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied round their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, Rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. back to the context around this, fun this funeral, this parable. <laughs> it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible to live a life where no one ever offends you. But woe to them through whom they come. Now we're living in a time where sometimes I think we no longer live in the USA, but we live in the OSA, the offended states of America, where people jump at a chance to be offended. How we see has so much power, it, it seems to determine what we see. Like the, blind, the four blind men describing the elephant. One described it like a blimp. One described it like a tree. One described it like a broom suspended off the air. One, one described the elephant like a snake. You don't see everything. We, we got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Why do they do what they do? Let me ask the question. Help me understand rather than jumping at a chance to throw them in a, a basket of deplorables. I, don't, I hate to use that parable over and over again, but it, it really works very well. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. 
It would be better for him if a millstone, that's not the grinding stone in your kitchen, this is one that donkeys drag around on grain. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would offend one of these little ones. We need to be so gentle with children. We really do. The Lord takes it personal. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Stop. Rebuking someone isn't so much, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That's a self-righteous thing. Go to them and say, man, you're hurting me. Could you please, could, could we please stop? That's a loving rebuke. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. This is the command. Now, is Jesus Lord or not? Well, he's the Lord of all my problems. He's the Lord of all I see. Yes, but is he Lord of me? That's the big question that he's concerned with. Our problems are temporary. We are eternal. This is why everybody's not going to heaven. Only people to whom Jesus is Lord of their life. On judgment day, they'll say to him, Lord, I was religious, or Lord, I cast out demons in your name, or Lord, I did mighty deeds in your name. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Workers of iniquity are people who put to work the inner desires they have because that's their Lord. The Lord's not their Lord. So we are commanded to forgive. We have to. I don't want to, but we have to. You can make a child forgive. Did you know that? And we're required to be childlike to be able to enter into the kingdom. Why? Because we have to forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I don't have faith to do this. So he tells him a story. The story is all about forgiving. If you have faith as a mustard seed, just a little bit of faith, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. Well, I like that kind of faith. I've got mustard seed faith. There's been books written on mustard seed faith where they never dealt with the context. The context is forgiving. Pulling that root of bitterness up out of your heart and casting it into the sea with just a little bit of faith, enough faith to obey. Which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he's come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. So when someone works for you, they, they do what you tell them, right? I know this is seen as very fair, unfair in our union-driven economy, but the fact is the boss is the boss and you do what you're paid to do, right? You do what you're told to do. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. Oh, thank you so much for mowing the grass today. Being thankful is very important. But if you live to be thanked when you're getting paid to do something, the payment is your thanks, right? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded... 
What is the context talking about that we're commanded to do? Forgive. So when we have forgiven, we are still unprofitable servants. Why? We have done what was our duty to do. That's what we're expected to do. We forgive because we're commanded to. We don't forgive because we're awesome, loving people. We forgive because it's called basic Christianity 101. Well, I don't think your book's going to sell very well. It's true, but the fact still remains. Do we want our houses built on the rock or do we not? We're commanded to forgive. It's our basic duty. As believers, we are authorized. We've been given authority to, to forgive. Who believes that as the believers we have authority? We do. Jesus said to them, this is one of his appearances after his resurrection, peace to you. Shalom, y'all. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. We need to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit empowers us to do verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, this is not authority to have unforgiveness in our heart. This is authority to forgive. And if we do not exercise it, guess what? Binding and loosing, the sin is retained. How many children of wicked fathers grow up and become just like their wicked father? Unforgiveness. Sin is being retained. It's true. So we're talking about parables, a servant without mercy. Why forgiveness is so important. Now, who, who are we to forgive? Those who hurt us. I was so convicted yesterday. I generally try to watch the kids' church video because we're going along the same theme, Laura, and your team. It is awesome. Chris and others are doing this. Sean and, and uh, Mike and Josh. And I know I'm forgetting somebody. Lois and the people that are behind the scenes. It's just awesome. And Emily, and please forget. Here you get, here's your homework assignment. You get to forgive me if I left you out. So I'm watching this skit being acted out of forgiveness. Mike Bochamp is the guy having to forgive. Josh Snodgrass is the guy who borrowed a tool and returned it four hours late without the battery. It was a cordless drill. So he had to forgive him for being late, had to forgive him for uh, missing the battery. And then... Uh, Josh was kind of like, well, my bad, I'm sorry. He didn't really take it seriously. And then Josh came back to him later to repent. Well, in the wake of that repenting, um, wearing an artist, an artiste beret, Mike Bochamp began to tell us about all the offenses over time that Josh had done in his life. And a check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. Then Josh appears. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. Then Josh appears to repent and apologize, and he apologizes for some things that Mike had forgotten, so he added more to the list. 
Somewhere along the line, it's like it was just me and God. And I realized I really needed to, from my heart, forgive my father. We buried my father a year ago Friday, uh, a Thursday. So just the two days before I watched this skit, I had edited the audio, 20-minute graveside service. I edited it, it, put some clips with the audio. From that, the lips didn't move move with the audio, but you don't really notice it. And made this video to send to my siblings because they needed to forgive dad. Because I always did the right thing by him because it was the right thing. It really wasn't from my heart because I loved him and forgave him. And his attempts in his own way to apologize for certain things really didn't sink in. I had judged him harshly. So I'm still dealing with that. I got blessed with his car. So every time I drive it, I'm having to deal with that. But now it's like the Lord has put a label on it. He's he's thrown me in the basket of unforgiveness to show me where I'm at. I'm excited about the blessings that are going to increase in my life when when I get all this done to let it go, let it go, let it go. I've been preaching it, but... In this one little section, I believe I'm in a room full of devout Christians, awesome people who really do not need this sermon. I believe people watching this online have no need for this sermon. Yeah, go get him, pastor. But maybe in one corner of your life is reserved a section for somebody close to you that hurt you deeply and you haven't really let it go. You've forgiven because you know it's dumb to not forgive, but really you haven't forgiven from your heart. That's a word for somebody. Maybe somebody watching or somebody in this room, there's some little corner or maybe it's all of us. Father, help us to see who we must forgive. Maybe it's an in-law or an outlaw or one of your exes from Texas. To forgive them, forgive them. Who? When? Today is a day of salvation. Now is the time. Do not delay. Don't let the sun go down today until you pray about this. And every time you pray, pray for the Lord to forgive those people that hurt you and ask him to forgive you and then say, Lord, is there anybody I need to forgive? Really pray about this. Do we want our prayers to be more powerful than ever? We need to. We need a time where Our lives are blessed, not because we live in a blessed nation because our forefathers had some wisdom where we don't have to have as many prayer requests, but now we're living in a time where people are wanting to throw that wisdom away. So our prayers must become more effective. So let's include forgiveness in our prayer and start today. Where? There's no better place than here, no better place than home, no better place. There's some phone calls that need to be made for you to... Confront somebody for you to apologize for your part in the conflict. Try it. You like it. I called a friend yesterday, a childhood friend, and asked about siblings. We haven't spoken in years. 
And so the Lord gave me a bit of advice, something I tried to do, but obviously this other thing. So, you know, being a preacher, you're kind of in a strange place. You're a human. You're not making excuses for humanity, but at the same time, you're declaring eternal truth. And so the eternal truth I gave her was do not forget special days, whether it's their birthday or holiday or someday they hold special Maybe they don't believe in holidays, but Monday's their day. Then do something to celebrate that day for them occasionally. Pray for them often and call them when prompted. If it's once a year, call them. Risk getting offended again, but do it. Do it, and God will bless you. How? Well, I think it starts with praying. Um, are there any Netflix customers in the house? All right. Well, we crossed the great divide during the shelter in. It was cheap enough. And one of the first series we watched is called The Crown. Story of the Windsors. It's fictionalized, dramatized, because everybody doesn't know how the queen really lives, and so there's lots of projection going in it, but there are historical things that provide the framework. And Billy Graham had one of his early years crusades, tremendous crowds that came, and she met him, and they became lifelong friends, and he wrote about her in his book before he passed. And in this is a conversation she had with him about forgiveness. Watch this. Reverend Brad, Your Majesty. Your Majesty? You're very kind to find time for me again. Do sit down. Reverend Graham, I asked you here today because there's something that I'd very much like to hear your views on. Forgiveness. Are there any Circumstances, do you feel where one can be a good Christian and yet not forgive? Christian teaching is very clear on this. No one is beneath forgiveness. Dying on the cross, Jesus himself asked the Lord to forgive those who killed him. Yes. But we must remember his words. They know not what they do. That forgiveness, it was conditional. True. But he still forgives. God himself forgives us all. Who are we to reject the example of God? Mere mortals. We are all mortals. That is our fate. But we need not be unchristian ones. the solution for being unable to forgive. One asks for forgiveness oneself, humbly 
and sincerely, and one prays for those that one cannot forgive. Even a queen must forgive. Now, I don't know if that part of the story actually happened. Uh, one conflict I see with history is Billy Graham, his entire life after he became a preacher, was never alone with a woman in a room. Now, I don't know that the queen is ever really alone, but uh, so this probably didn't happen, but the story still holds true that we forgive because we have to no matter who we are, and we, it begins with prayer. So how can forgiving be made easier? It can be so hard. How deep are your wounds? How deep is your love, is your love, is your love? How hard have you been hurt? How can it be easier to forgive? First point, Billy Graham portrayed in that film, we must pray for those who have hurt us. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. They're using you on purpose, not by accident. It's not a perception thing. It really is that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So we represent our heavenly Father when we pray for people that have hurt us or are hurting us. Father, forgive them. This is echoed in Luke 6. But I say to you who hear, who wants to be a person that hears the Lord, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for them. Someone makes an obscene gesture, don't return the favor, just say thanks for the you know, proposition, but no thanks. Pray for those who spitefully use you. We must put away all barriers to forgiveness. Forgiveness has barriers. This is more than just a forgiveness thing. There's other things in our life that can hinder it. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You do that, it makes forgiveness easy. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as Christ, God in Christ, forgave you. 
Let's all say it together. Put it away. Put it away. Put it away. All of it. Not just some of it. All bitterness. All wrath. All anger. All clamor. Chaos. All evil speaking should be put away from us with all malice. The word all is implied to all that stuff. And in the wake of putting that away, we're to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. Finally, we must put everything, put on. We were to put away all barriers. Now we're to put on. We say put it on. Put it away, put it on. Put on everything that helps us to forgive. Therefore, Colossians 3, Paul writes, as the elect of God, who has been chosen by the Lord, holy and beloved, put on. This isn't fake it till you make it. This isn't putting it on, you know, putting on a show. But put it on like you put on clothes. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bearing with one another. If you put these things on, it'll help you to do the next part. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on. We say put it on. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy your kindness that you've chosen to give us. Thank you, Lord, for your truth that changes our lives. I pray, Lord, if anyone here is a prisoner to unforgiveness, I pray, Lord, you'd set us free in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us to deal with those little corners of our life that need to be surrendered to your lordship. Lord, where we've been disobedient, convict us, Lord. Where we've been rebellious to the command to forgive just because we don't want to. You know, Lord, my, my Jesus doesn't make me do anything I don't want. Lord, help us to surrender that idolatry and to let you be Lord and to be submissive people in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Lewis B. Smead said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Do you want to be free? I do. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a dream?
during times of conflict got some homework for you take a clean sheet of paper and a pen or a pencil and draw two hills just boom boom just two simple hills and put a stick figure on each hill one looking at the other and then a balloon each a balloon above each stick figure with their words right I am right and you're wrong one stick figure's words. The other one, no, you're wrong and I'm right. After you get that drawn, then between the two hills, draw a cross, put the stick figures on their knees before the cross, and add the words where they together say, 
Lord Jesus, you're right. Our peace comes, the closer we get to him, the closer we get to each other. He is right, amen? He is the righteous one. The danger of getting drawn into taking up offenses is case building starts. If you've ever had a case built against you, it's terrible. If you're innocent and the, the DA department get, comes against you and builds a case, you got to get some help to overcome the guilty verdict. Do you not? It's true. So if you build a case against your enemies, that's hard to break. You get in bondage that way. Or if you go public with an offense, your name goes with it now. Now it's all about defending your name and not even the issue. But we serve one whose name is above every name. It's not about my name. It's not about our name, your name. It's his name. The name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I want them to sing the blessing song. Receive this blessing, and as you receive it, and we leave here today, send it out in Jesus.
Tigers. And if a crime has been committed, call the police. They're the Romans 13 ministers. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and they're his ministers of vengeance. So call the police, let the law know. God bless you. Go get them, Tigers. Amen.